0: Welcome to the Million Dollar Body Podcast with your host, Nate Palmer. Welcome back to another episode of the Million Dollar Body Podcast. Here today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Casey Weed from Howard Bailey and also from the podcast, Retire With Purpose. Casey just put out his book, Job Optional. So we're going to be chatting a little bit today about talking about how to retire without having to worry all about that at the end of our, of our careers. Casey, so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here.
1: It's great to be here, Nate. You know, it's always a pleasure to spend time together. Uh, we had a great time together at a retreat not that long ago. I'm hoping to see you again again very soon at the next retreat. And uh, you're a pleasure to speak to on our podcast. So this will be fun.
0: Thanks, man. That was a lot of fun. Uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to write that book, Job Optional?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I've grown up around the financial services industry, around the financial services business, and I've always been a pretty driven individual, a highly goal-oriented individual. I was one of those kids in elementary school that used to write down my goals and stick them on my mirror and look at them every single morning when I woke up, and I was always all about, you know, making that goal list, checking it off, and I was very driven. Uh, Ultimately, I found out by, you know, money and the collection of things. I think by most of us are driven that way without even thinking about it. And there becomes a point in life. And I, I reached a point in my life in my twenties where I pulled out that goal sheet. I looked at it and I found I'd literally checked off every single box on that goal sheet all the way up to financial freedom. And at that point, I mean, well now, what? you know, what's next, you know, what's next now that you have enough, Why continue to work? Why would I wake up the next morning and go put in, you know, 12 hours at the office? There's no reason to do that. And in that moment, I realized that all of the goals, that was a moment I realized all of my goals had always been about the collection of money and things. They're void of those most meaningful things in life. And they're unique for all of us. But for me, digging back in my history, I found, you know, really as a kid and along the way, it was all about family. It was about family. It was about, you know, at that point in my life, it was my kids, my wife, and I discovered I was neglecting my family. I was neglecting my wife, a lot like I felt like my dad did when I was a little kid. I said, I'm never going to work as long and as hard as he did. I'm always going to be present there for my kids. And I just, I was failing, I felt, in that realm. And I wasn't doing a lot of things to give back to the community, to give back, to serve others. And so I really started thinking about, well, what's next? You know, what's next for me in that moment? And I really thought about quitting. I said, well, I'll just retire and I'll sit back. I'll focus on my spirituality. I'll focus on the community. I'll focus on my family. And I think this is what a lot of people do as they transition to retirement. They just go, oh, well, I've got enough money. I'll just kick back and relax and I won't do anything the rest of my life, or or I'll focus on something else. But you find, and for myself, I've got a lot of God-given gifts, just like you do, Nate. You know, We've all got these God-given gifts, God-given talents, and we need to use those blessings to give back at that stage in our life. And giving back doesn't just mean you're giving your money away to charity. You you can be most effective by utilizing those gifts you have. For me, it was finances. It was getting money. It was making money. It was investing. It was financial planning. It was goal setting. And I was really good at that. And I uncovered a a framework that I used in my own financial life without really even thinking about it. I had structured this framework that had delivered this financial freedom. And with that, I said, you know, I can take this framework. We can create this as a proprietary process. I can write about it in the book, Job Optional. I can share with people how I went through this process of finding my purpose and other clients that have had this same experience that we've worked with. And I've been amazed by just how many different individuals are finding value in the book because I wrote the book for people that are pre-retirement you know 50 to 65 they're transitioning to retirement and I wanted them to have something that got real value you know most books out there they're glorified business cards I wanted something that somebody opened up they got real value and they could implement it into their financial life into their their personal life and that's what was created out of this and I've got people that are Gen X Gen Y Millennials I would say almost more in that demographic, actually, I've been reaching out via email, uh, writing reviews, and sending me text messages. People I haven't seen since middle school, so they've read the book, and I'm going, I didn't even write it for you what do you find in value and they said it was all the stories about the families that we had worked with the mistakes that they had made throughout their life and what had ultimately led to their success and the obstacles they're overcoming later in life so that they could begin planning for those things today and so it's been an awesome process and uh, it's one that I am extremely proud of
0: that's Terrific. And I really love the book. The cover looks great. If, you, if you're not watching this on video, Casey, just held it up. It's a very sleek looking book. So you can pick that up on Amazon. You can also find it. I love seeing your pictures of you in airports, um, finding the books, Like, uh, which, which stores in, in the majority of airports are, are stocking in.
1: Yeah, it's in all the Hudson's uh, okay. and all of the major airports across the country. Uh, and, you know, that it just stays there for a number of months until, uh, you know, it kind of gets pulled off. So uh, it's been really successful in the airports. Uh, I've been actually really surprised. I thought people just walked to the airports, they looked at those and they ordered them on, on Amazon. But uh, we've actually had some pretty good sales uh, across the airports and that's been a lot of fun going in and signing those. That's great.
0: I, so. Um, to be totally honest with you, like when I was reading it, I did not think at all like, oh, this is for later in life when I'm closer to retirement. I was taking those stories and being like, okay, how does this apply to me? Because obviously we put ourselves in the driver's seat for most of this stuff. So if even if you're not at that point where you're getting close to retirement, you should definitely check this book out. One of the things I really loved about it, Casey, is that unlike a lot of investments, retirement, financial planning type of books, you actually talk a lot about life purpose and you connect, you connect all these like end goals back to the life purpose. And you mentioned a little bit about that kind of when you had already hit your goals in your twenties, you had checked all those boxes and, you, and it caused you to kind of take a step back and re-examine what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, because I think at the end of the day, like I've heard some stats and I'm, I'm sure numbers changed, but after you hit about $75,000 in, in income, the money no longer brings you your greatest satisfaction and joy. It's other aspects. So can you talk a little bit about why, why that was such a prominent piece of the, of the book and, and what, like how we can start thinking about that even like, you know, even before we hit our 50s, 60s, get closer to retirement?
1: Well, I think I can go back to a story that's, that I'll tie in here, but it goes back to a consultant, a very smart man that I once worked with uh, someone that was a centimillionaire uh, that had um, you know, owned dozens of businesses throughout his lifetime, uh, extremely successful and still contending to work. And, and, you know, we're sitting on our back porch and uh, he's, I, he said, Casey, you know, what's your number? And I, you know, I'd never really nailed down a number. You know, I had a, a number in my head, uh, but I'd never really thought about exactly what is that number. I, I had just always been about the collection, right? We're always like, well, how, I just need to save as much as I possibly can every single year. I need to get the biggest return that I can possibly get every single year. So that someday I have enough, but we never really figure out what that number really is. And he said, once you get to that number, figure out what that number is. It's a million dollars, $5 million, $10 million, whatever it is for you, you get to that number, you'll be amazed at, what changes in your life. You know, money doesn't change people. It makes you more of what you already are. And during those periods of time, as I, as I found, okay, now I'm striving for this number, I get to that point, I, I hit this number, and now... I can really fulfill, for me, what was purpose. You know That meant I'm gonna give back to our team members, I'm gonna give back to our clients, I'm gonna give back to the community. Every single year, we've lowered, or not every single year, but every couple of years, we've lowered our clients' fees. As we've been able to hit you know, our goals, and I've been able to create my own financial stability, I'm not in this for the money anymore, so I can give back to the clients. Uh, I can give back to the employees. We started with no benefits. Now we have you know, a benefit package, it would be rivaled by some of the best, you know, biggest Fortune 500 companies out there. We're volunteering. We're supporting Junior Golf in the state of Indiana. Uh, you know, we're we're doing things that we wouldn't be able to do if I didn't have the financial confidence to know that I I could do that. So I believe that. We truly need to use money to to deliver meaning and purpose into our lives and also others. You know, I've had families that I've worked with are at the other end of the spectrum. You know, they're 60 years old. I had a gentleman that uh, worked in his business. You know, he, he started it in his dad's uh, barn. I Ended up uh, being there for him to sell this to a private equity firm when he was about 60 years old for a hundred million dollars, and yeah, you know, he loved the business, but it wasn't something he's was truly. passionate about, He was passionate about impacting the global community in a big way, uh, largely from an energy and software and efficiency perspective. And he had this idea that he wanted to go out and he wanted to take a big risk with, but he was never able to take that risk because he was so involved in the business and the business was all about making money. Once he had enough, we could structure his financial life like we did mine and then take a chunk of that. He could go off. and and really try to change the world. And that's what he's doing today. And he said, you know, my purpose is to be and create. And that's what he's doing every day. He's being and he's creating, but he wouldn't be able to do that to the level level of focus that he has today if he was still thinking about, money. If you're still thinking about, well, do I have enough? How much do I need to make this year? How much do I need to save? You know, how, well, what kind of return do I need to get? What about the stock market? You know, If we can eliminate a lot of those concerns, we can focus on what's most important in life, and it's not money.
0: It sounds to me like you're saying that, um, and I'm going to tie this back to fitness because that's kind of where I'm at, but it sounds like, like fitness as one, something that I consider to be like money, which is like a force multiplier. It takes what you already are, like you yeah, said, and just makes you absolutely. more of it. It makes that more evident. And then going back to what you said previously about giving back, and it's not you said it's not just about giving to charities, because you're now taking your time, your talents, and then and your treasure, if we're gonna you know keep it in alliteration, and you're applying those to not only the community you're working in, but also nationally, like you're putting out a podcast, right? which is free, but to, and it has so much value that you're delivering on a daily basis. You wrote a book where you took your proprietary system and put it into this book and actually get like, you know, you're selling that on Amazon where people don't have to, have to come work with you to see these, like, these strategies and to be able to get value from you there. So I just love how you're actually, you're not, just, you're not just talking about it. You're actually doing it at a very high level and impacting a lot of people more than you could if you hadn't made the money, if you hadn't chosen right. to pursue these, these ways of giving back.
1: You know, I think we also have it a little mixed up. You know, sometimes we believe that, you know, we, we don't want to give away all of our secrets or people won't do business with us. You know, and now they'll have everything they need. You know, you put out so much value in your articles and, and in your podcast. You know, everything that you're doing has value in it. It's not just a glorified business card. And I... I don't know that we all realize that. And, and we definitely don't recognize it, you know, many times until we have enough. And we go, okay, now I can start putting it out there. But part of this transition for me is making our brand intent something that our whole team recognizes. And this is something that's just been a big part of our brand. And it is that we can't serve everyone, but we can't help everyone. And so when we set out to do any type of marketing activity, no matter what it is. I want to make sure there's real value in there. I I mean, for the book that was put out, you could take what's in the book and do it on your own. You don't need us in order to implement those things and get those things done in your financial life. But you'd be amazed how many people still want to work with us because of the value they received in the book or the, the value they've received in the podcast. They want to team up with someone that's putting out real value in their lives because they know we're going to continue to do that for the rest of our life.
0: And I think that when you have something like that, people go, okay, like I can trust this guy. I, he's got, he's got a history of results. He's obviously has high integrity. He knows what he's talking about. And I don't want to have to go figure this out. Like, yes, I could take all this information and apply it, but why not just hire you to do that work? Because I know you, I like you and I trust you. Right. right. Yeah.
1: I, we, what do you want to spend your time focusing on? You know, especially once you have enough money, I, there's far too many people that spend, but well, now I've got enough. Now I need to manage it the rest of my life. Like, is that where your highest value is that you can put out in this world? You know, I don't manage my own money. You know, I, I, I don't manage my own money. I don't manage my own portfolio. I'm not my own financial planner. You know, I've got those people that are helping me because I know I can make a bigger impact somewhere else
0: hundred percent. I don't write my own workouts either, because sometimes I, you know, we get like blinders on and we, sometimes we can't see that full picture. Right. So sometimes, um, one of the questions I had for you is how can, how can we avoid falling into the traps where we, we are not seeing the full picture of our own financial history and needs and the way that we can kind of, we can get towards retirement and retire with enough money to be able to live out our life purpose. What are some of the things that you see a lot of the time people not taking into account or avoiding.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's, I mean, we could go so many different ways with uh, the ways that people go wrong, right, in, in their financial lives. And I think that's what you're asking, you know, where do people, you know, largely go Thank wrong? Thank you for clarifying. Or, or where can we, you know, where are some things that, you know, people can do when they're younger to really enjoy the, the trip? Or enjoy the journey. I mean, there's a lot of things we overlook, and I, there's something that you know I talk about all the time that uh, was you know hammered into me by, by my dad. You know, if we just listen, then I, I think it is valuable. You know, go out there, you know, read the Dave Ramsey books. Go out there, learn from Susie Orman. You know, do your own research. Get your own financial education. That's the most important thing that you can do. But then there's a lot of things that people don't tell you because they're all you know largely you know they're they're vested in their own financial benefit, right? They they want you to put money in retirement accounts so they can manage those things. And you know when I was um, the first time I ever maxed out my Roth IRA. You know, I was, I don't know, I was yeah you know, in my early 20s and you know, I was probably I might have been 20 years old or something. And you know I, I called I called my dad and said hey you know you're gonna be really proud of me. I maxed out my Roth IRA last year. And he said, okay, what do you have left? And I went, oh, not much. Right. I mean I I put everything you know, that I possibly could in the Roth IRA. I thought that I was supposed to max out my Roth IRA. I thought that was like baby step number one, you know, We've, but it, you know, it's emergency funding and then it's, you know, moving on. But I thought that was what we were supposed to do. That's what we hear from all the figureheads. We're supposed to max out our retirement accounts. And he said, you know, real wealth, it's not created in the stock market. Because at the time I also wanted to brag about the stocks that I had just bought, right? You know, and we all hear from the guy at the gym and the guy at the gym the other day was just telling me about, you know, what a great stock pick that he Had and then he sold it, and I'm going Tesla. So, what impact did that make in your life? And that was the question dad asked me. So, you had a big trade, you made 20%. What impacts that can make in your life? And I'm like, Mm. well, it was good you know what but what was it you know 500 bucks probably in one stock that i just made 100 bucks on uh, it's not going to make an impact in my life he said real wealth is not created in the stock market it's not created by those people that are sitting around trading their portfolios or investing in traditional retirement accounts or iras or 401k's real wealth is created in business and real estate and that's how dad created his wealth you know largely in real estate which was a business of sorts you know we started when i was a little kid we lived in an apartment then he got a little house House, and then we fixed that up we got a little nicer house we ended up owning uh, about a 60 unit uh, apartment complex and managing that and that was how he created a lot of his wealth and so that's been a focus of mine and when I'm talking to young people I'm going okay you know it's good to max that. it's good to max those things out but don't put everything there You yeah, know maybe let, let's split some of that those funds because there's going to be an opportunity that comes along that's a real opportunity it's not just a stock market opportunity where you make Five to seven percent a year. We're, we're going to invest in a, you know, a real estate or a business venture, and that's going to produce maybe 20, 30 percent a year, right? That's real, real, where real wealth is made, and that's where financial stability is created as well. When you're in your younger years, you don't have the penalties and restrictions they're going to find on retirement accounts when you own assets such as rental properties that are creating passive income and that's the income that's going to give you the ability to retire early or just find the confidence to know you can follow your dreams in another area of your life. That's great. So I don't know if I answered the, the question, but that was just one of uh, the things that I think is most often, you know, uh, just kind of gets twisted uh, when we start reading articles on finance and where we should get started. I think that's one of the things that's uh, been very beneficial in my own financial life is to have not everything tied up in retirement accounts, uh, but there's many other ways. Sure. So it sounds
0: like you're saying um, when you're first starting off, it's not the, even though we think okay, investments equals stock market equals mutual funds, we don't need to be putting all of our all of our spare pennies in there and just and waiting till we're 65 to enjoy them. Yeah, we want to we want to be able to utilize those to not only create a great future for ourselves but also be able to enjoy the present moment and live in our life's purpose. You know, like you, like you were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, ha- being able to really invest in your community and your family and the things that are really important to you. Mm-hmm. So how well, can we do that? Like how well, can what we they- have the investments in, and enjoy it along the way?
1: Well, one of the areas for me where I get a lot of enjoyment, as you know, is with my family and I like going on little vacations. Yeah, I'm somebody that enjoys working. I enjoy the routine. I love what I do. So I'm not somebody that needs to go move away for six months. I'm going to, I want to be here I want to be here i don 't want to retire, but I do want to leave for you know maybe three to five days a month and go spend some quality time with family without the stress. and you know, This is something my dad did when I was a little kid, and it 's get where I got it. You know He picked up a uh, a, a foreclosed home uh, that was uh, i believe bank owned at uh, Uh, on a lake that was about 45 minutes from town. And we would go there every weekend. And I think he picked it up, it was for like a $1,000, you know, a couple thousand dollars, he ended up getting this lake cottage. And we'd go there on every single weekend, we'd go and spend time there. And then he ended up selling that for over $2 million, um, probably 25 years later, right? And now he's got additional dollars into it over that period of time, but it was something we really got to enjoy. And for us, we really enjoy going to Michigan. You know, we love the upper peninsula of Michigan. We love skiing. We love snowboarding. We love just being cooped up with a fireplace burning and looking out at it, the snow coming down and sitting out in the hot tub. So for us, you know, we did that. You know, we went out and we bought a rental property and that rental property is something that's building equity. It's kicking out rental income uh, and we get to enjoy it periodically. Other than that, it's, you know, it's a vacation rental and it creates a pretty nice return. And my dad is doing the same thing as retirement. You know, he enjoys the relationship he's able to create through his vacation rentals, managing those things on his own. You know, a big part that the number one thing my dad's good at is creating a new friend. He loves everyone. And that outlet of having vacation rentals and managing those is creating additional income and giving the ability uh, for him to live in different parts of the world uh, during his retirement. He loves to travel, loves to meet new people, and he loves the extra income.
0: I like that you uh, gave us two examples, basically, of two different people with two different life purposes, using their investments strategically to live more into those purposes. You with your family having that having that rental house where you can go to escape, have those three to five days of vacations with the family, get some sense of quality time. Your dad getting to travel a little bit more, meet new people. That's terrific that's that's a great way to to have it have your cake and eat it
1: too right there is a risk in that too and this is one that i I want to make sure is not overlooked i don't want somebody that go out that maybe has an unstable job and a little extra cash and says "Ah, i'm going to go out and buy myself a, a second home and get a second mortgage and you know the rent's going to cover everything i'll be good i there's because if you can't make that payment, if you lose your job, you need to make sure you're still going to be okay. And that is something that I just want to also put out there. Cause I put this in an article on uh, a while back, I believe it was in market watch on just some unusual uh, strategies for saving for retirement. And this is one that I strongly believe in, but you don't want to overextend yourself either.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for the caveat there. Um, so for someone else maybe who doesn't necessarily have a ton of extra income or have the ability to go out and be like, I can take on a second mortgage, it's no problem. How, do you, how would you recommend that they get started? Someone who's in their you know, 30s, 40s, not necessarily close to retirement, but you know, not all, also just not starting out in their career. Where, yeah. like, where's a place that they can go to either get additional in- information or where would you recommend that they put their attention?
1: I think budgeting is the number one thing that um, most young people are overlooking. Uh, I've always been a hardcore budgeter. And when I was a kid, I did the envelope system and the envelope system is, Dave Ramsey. Gosh, we we can't overlook the value in the envelope system. And that, that was what I used when I was a kid, you know, as I established goals, I had, you know, I always had a job and I had money every single week that would go into one envelope for a big goal. You know, that might be, you know, a wakeboard back then, right. Or, 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 a new set of golf clubs, you know, but I had envelopes for different things. And as that progressed, you know, you can still, people are kind of against the envelope system today. I find, cause they go, wow, but I can get points with my credit card or mm-hmm. my debit card. And I say, Oh, okay, but you know, quite often people are overspending with their credit cards. Um, but what we did is we transitioned that into a new age envelope system. When I was a kid, we would take, uh, instead of envelopes, you know, we had about 12 different bank accounts um, with our bank and they don't charge you anything for, I mean, a lot of banks won't charge you anything for additional bank accounts. And each one of those had a different label. You know, this is our grocery account and we get $50 a week for groceries. And I had a debit card and it, would not let me charge or swipe that debit card if there wasn't anything in the account. So I couldn't have any overdraft fees either. And so I had everything get direct deposited to one account, then automatically dispersed to all those other accounts. And the bankers thought I was crazy because I had you know all these different accounts with small balances in them, but it was the way that we were able to budget and really control our spending. And my wife and I would sit down once a month and review our overall budget. We had line items for everything. We'd see our overdraft over, under, and we would track those things and we would review it on a regular basis. And I know it seems so basic to create a budget, um, but it's, it's overlooked. And and that is what I think was, I mean, when I look around at other financial advisors that are in this office, when I would explain to them, you know, our envelope system and then moving into the bank and having the envelope system within our banking system and sitting down with my wife regularly talking about her budget, none of them were doing it. Right? These are guys that are really good at managing money and they're not budgeting. They don't even know what they're spending month to month. You know, I sit down with successful individuals you know, on a regular basis that come in and the vast majority of people that are stepping into retirement, they don't know what they're spending. You know, they have no, they'll go, ah, you know, we don't have any debt. You know, we probably spend about two or 3,000 a month. I say, well, last year, you, your take-home pay was about $100,000 and you didn't save anything extra in the bank. And so it sounds to me like you're spending more like 8,000 a month. Like, oh gosh, where's it going? right? So now they have to dig back in, figure out where the money's going. If you don't know where the money's going, you're never gonna make it
0: yeah, it sounds like it sounds like what gets measured in this case gets managed better, right?
1: I've heard okay. that before,
0: yeah, I feel like. I think I think I was the first person to originally say that. Could've could been. could be, yeah. <laughs> but, that's, but I think you're 100 right. Like so, again, tying this back to fitness. If you're not, if you don't know exactly what you're eating, if you if you're just like, man, yeah, I had a kind of a great day today. I feel like I was under for my calories. Chances are you're not. You're you're definitely over. People, um, I think in the fitness industry at least, statistically underreport their food consumption by 50. percent So I wonder what that is across the board to financials.
1: This is, it's such a wild thing that you don't track and it's so true. You don't track it, you know, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And yeah, I was actually just speaking and on practice management to uh, about 40 advisors from across the country here recently that are all pretty successful guys. I mean, they've been pretty successful in their financial life. They're making a good income uh, and they've got a decent business. And I said, so how many of you, I said, by a show of hands, how many of you know your ROI and all your marketing sources? and out in that room I had about 20% of the hands went up I, if you don't know that then that's the first action item you have when you go back home and that, that just goes on back so I'm just saying that it's, it's even successful business owners that aren't tracking the things that are ultimately gonna allow them to have financial freedom someday
0: yeah that's a that's I I wouldn't think that it'd be so prevalent because you see this, like, I feel like for a lot of people, okay, yeah, I don't really know. You know I'm not
1: advertising,
0: so I don't necessarily need to know my ROI. If you're a business owner and you don't know your numbers, like what is your, what is your business doing behind
1: the scenes while you're not watching it? It's amazing to me. It's just amazing to me that people can run a business and not know their numbers. But I would say the vast majority of business owners are not actually tracking the numbers because yeah, they, they have a specialty, right? They're, they're a physician and they're really good at doing surgeries, right? You know, they're not really good at managing their finances. And that's something that we need to learn and really put some time and energy into. So if you're in your 30s and 40s, you know, if you don't have a budget, you don't know where to start, then just start educating yourself. Start picking up books, start at reading and, and learn. You know The thing that I'll also add is you know, I, I think far too many young individuals in the 30s or 40s, they, you know, they start making some money. They go out and hire a financial advisor. They say, oh, I need a financial advisor now because I don't know what I'm doing. Why don't you go out and figure out what you're doing before you go hire a financial advisor? Because most people don't need a financial advisor in their 20s, 30s, 40s. As you're in those accumulation stages, you don't need a financial advisor. Yeah, that Your number one goal should be to accumulate assets, minimize your costs along the way, and and if you work with an advisor, they're not going to beat the market. They're, they're probably going to perform worse than you're actually going to perform if you just put everything and dollar cost average into the S&P 500 or a handful of diversified index funds. You're going to do better than that financial advisor you're going to pay maybe one, one and a half percent to. Yeah, that you should be doing it on your own. I have friends that come to me all the time and say they're 30s and they're going, hey, you know, Casey, can you manage this for me? I say, Why? Why do you need me to manage it for you? Your goal is growth. You know, when you need a financial advisor is a transition point where it becomes no longer about accumulating assets, but it becomes about protecting those things. You know, advisors should get paid to protect your assets um, against major liabilities, major threats that might be present today or in the future once you have the money. But you don't need to be walking into your local broker's office paying them 5% commission to throw you in some mutual fund that's not going to perform.
0: That was awesome. I feel like, am I wrong in saying that? That could be a little bit of like financial financial uh, system hearsay, just a little bit, telling people they don't need financial advisors to their twenties, thirties, and
1: forties and this is also a transition too right I and mean, you're seeing a transition period now where we've got robo advisors you know popping up all over online you know if you just want if your goal is accumulation and you're just trying to get the biggest return you can possibly get you can hop online if you don't want to pick the index funds yourself a robo advisor can do it for a fraction of a percent and you don't have any commissions going out of your portfolio and that's perfectly fine yeah and and, and again it, it's all about education you yeah, know if you don't know what you're doing figure it out. You, know, you don't need some advisor to sit down with you and figure it out. I could you probably pick up five books and have enough knowledge to get yourself you know pretty far into the future until you start having major threats. Which as a business owner could be taxes. You know it could be uh, liabilities. It could be you know property and casualty insurance gaps. You know it could be disability, long-term care, market crashes because you need the income. And those are the things that you pay an advisor to protect you from. And that doesn't happen when you're 25 typically.
0: That, that, I mean, is that you're blowing my mind right now, because I feel like typically like I, you, you assume financial advisor, if I'm investing at all, like I need to go find out, like got to go to the source. But so, but I love what you said about your, your goal in those years is not, is not protection necessarily. It's accumulation.
1: Yeah, and I, well, and The I think same that, thing could be applied to the legal world, right? I and mean, if, if you're well, just setting up a business and yeah, you're setting up an LLC, yeah, you're setting up your will and power of attorney because you just had a kid. Yeah, do you need to go to an attorney and have them take a boilerplate document and you just spend a few thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars with them when you could have hopped online and picked it up for a 200 bucks? And you know, that's what I did when we started the business. Yeah, I educated myself. What do I need? And then I went out and got it at pennies on the dollar. You don't need those high level professionals until you hit certain stages in life.
0: Yeah, that's. That's just great to know. And I think that's a very, very actionable tip that if people are looking for, um, kind of the, the next step to take in their financial journey, it's go out and educate yourself first, pick up job optional, start listening to retire with purpose, like put, put, like there are a lot of great resources out there that are just a few mouse clicks away. And if you don't care enough to educate yourself on your own finances, then how can you expect to keep them and actually have that rolling it forward and hitting your number, like you talked about earlier. This is
1: a huge shift in the financial world where, and back in the nineties or the eighties, you, know, you had to have a financial advisor, right? I mean, you had to have somebody cause you didn't have any access to the mutual funds. Couldn't go buy fractional shares online. You didn't even have the ability to Google these things, right? And I, now you have the ability to at your fingertips, educate yourself in a plethora of different ways that your parents probably didn't have the opportunity to do.
0: Yeah. Wow, oh, thank you. Thanks so much for sharing that because I think that's a very, really powerful piece. I'm gonna go back and definitely, definitely replay that for a lot of my my family and friends. So, Casey, I want to get to kind of like the 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 heart of the interview right now. And so, if you guys aren't watching, if you guys aren't watching this on YouTube, which you can check it out, Casey's a probably my most well-dressed friend. Just. <laughs> You always look good. That's why I'm wearing a tie to this interview, of course. I just wanted to make sure that we were, on the sa- we're on the same page, same. Right? You
1: know, I like wearing a tie. I, I, this is the first time I've ever actually seen you in a tie. Yeah, but you know, my grandfather, yeah, and I don't have to wear a tie every day, but I almost wear a tie every single day of the week other than on the weekends. Yeah, you even look amazing. If I'm working, I'll work at home and I wake up and I put a suit and tie on in the morning and I'll get started. I've had friends stop by and say, I thought you were working from home today. Yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah, but it's just my grandpa had put on a suit and tie every single morning into his nineties. So I guess it's just in my blood. It's just a just a consummate professional, Casey.
0: I mean, you look great, but I guess what what everyone is really wondering is how much do you bench?
1: Well, uh my latest bench was three sixty-five. And I haven't been able to put that one any higher. Uh and I think I'm gonna give up on that. You know, I, I always wanted to get to the 400 mark, but uh, I think I'm okay at 365. It's putting a little too much stress in these old bones. It,
0: uh, it definitely takes it out of you, but that is a, that's an impressive number.
1: So, <laughs> well, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Awesome job, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some wisdom with us. Um, how can people connect with you, Casey? Where, do, where can they go to find you?
1: Well, we've got so many different resources out there. Uh, I would just direct you to retirewithpurpose.com. That's just a great landing page for us where we've got all of our resources in one place. So you can go watch old episodes of the TV show, the radio show. You can click through the podcast. You can get a a free uh, chapter to my book, Job Optional. You can click on through if you want to learn more about our firm, Howard Bailey Financial. uh, You can click on through to Howard Bailey's website, learn all about us there. But all those great resources are going to be right there at retirewithpurpose.com. Uh, one of my favorites is Weekend Reading for Retirees. And that is just a, a collection of four articles I offer commentary on, I send out every Friday. It's kind of like the old Five Bullet Fridays, right? So every single Friday, you get an email, handpicked articles, commentary from myself to keep you up to date on some of the latest financial trends.
0: That's awesome. So I'll put that in the show notes, make sure that you have access to those things. And if you want more than that chapter of Job Optional, which I think you should, It's available on Amazon and also all Hudson bookstores in the airport. So make sure you grab that, check it out, educate yourself on this process, because at the end of the day, if you don't know your numbers, if you don't know your money, if you don't know where it's going, you're not going to have the future and to be able to live in the life purpose that you want and the reason that you're doing all this. So Casey, yeah, man, last question though. um, I always like to ask people this is what's something that's unconventional that you do that helps you see results either in your fitness in your life in your energy in your finances what's something that you do that people will be like oh that's interesting
1: well i you know i i'm going to go with my morning routine. I find that others that are close to me come up with weirder things, right? That I don't really recognize that I do, but this is uh, a, just a routine that I've had every single morning. So I, I wake up, when I wake up, I meditate for 10 minutes. After I get done meditating, I go to the gym and then I get back, I get in the steam shower and I sit there and I meditate in a different way for 10 minutes. And I think this is this is one of the, the things that's just, it's really important for me to do. So I, I'll spend a few minutes just Talk, thinking through all the things that I'm grateful for. So it's my uh, gratitude practice, if you will, in that moment. So I think through all the things I'm grateful for. Then I think about who I want to be a hero to that day. So who do you want to be a hero to today? And some people will say, well, I want to save the world. Well, you can't. And I'm not sure the world needs saving. Uh, but you do have the ability to be a hero to somebody this day. And some days it's my wife. Some days it's my kids. Some days it's our team. Some days it's our clients or our fans and you know I pick that individual for the day and that's gonna be my focus throughout the day then I say "All right, well I want to set my intention for the day around that so if I want to be a hero to them today what do I have to do and how's it gonna make me feel at the end of the day and I just sit there and I kind of feel that end of the day feeling so 530 I walk away from the office or 430 I walk away from the office you know what am I going to feel like what kind of mindset am I gonna have and then I wrap it up with just some big smiles that I'll hold for a couple minutes, which is definitely an odd practice I, I've been told, uh, but I'll just sit there and smile for a couple minutes. I might laugh to myself. My wife thinks I'm absolutely crazy and then I am off.
0: That is awesome. Really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for everything on this. Uh, just dropping some wisdom, sharing with us today, Casey. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. We'll talk to you very soon.
1: Pleasure, Nate. See you soon.